0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertil Aft, the podcast. This is episode 190 called Priscilla Brown.
1: Hello infertile AF listeners. This is Blair Nelson over at Fab IVF Mama on Instagram. I am the co-founder of Fertility Rally with Allie and I am here today to invite you to our 5th Fertility Rally Live happening virtually October 22nd. Fertility Rally Live is an event that we host each fall and spring specifically for the infertility community to educate and inspire you all on your own unique paths to becoming parents or not. And what you can expect at Fertility Rally Live is a keynote speaker, two panels, 12 different breakout Sessions, an afternoon reset. And of course, we will end the day with a happy hour like we love to do over at the rally. So exciting news for the first time ever, we are offering this event to anyone and everyone who is interested for free. We are so excited to be able to do this for our community. So if you would like to join us, you can go claim your ticket at the Fertility Rally Instagram. There is a link in our profile to claim your ticket. It is super easy. The best part about Fertility Rally. is that you don't actually have to be there on October 22nd. As you claim your ticket, you will have access to all of the content, which is eight plus hours of support and education starting October 22nd for 30 days. So go claim your ticket today. Go over to the fertility rally on Instagram. The link is there in our bio. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We cannot wait to see you there and we cannot wait to offer this to our community for free. Sending so much love to all of you. Enjoy today's show. This
0: episode is brought to you by Magic Mind. You guys, if you're like me, even when you're focused, you're not 100% focused, and you're always craving to do more. Lately, I've been having a lot of trouble concentrating on even the smallest tasks, but then I discovered this little shot called Magic Mind. Magic Mind's mission is to make the world more productive by giving people like me and you the tools to be the best versions of themselves. The goal of Magic Mind is to get you into that glorious flow state more often so you can do your best work more efficiently and spend more time doing what you love. There's two really key ingredients in Magic Mind, and they're hard to say, but I'm gonna try. It's ashwagandha and rhodiola rosea, which work together to decrease stress and low-grade anxiety by lowering your cortisol levels. So, I have to say, after using Magic Mind consistently for a week, I did feel a boost in clarity and focus. I was able to concentrate, hone in and check things off my ever-growing to-do list. So here is the deal. I have a 20% off code to share with you guys, and it's infertile20. So to use it, you can go to magicmind.co slash infertile and enter the code infertile20 at checkout. Again, that's go to magicmind.co slash infertile and enter the code infertile20 at checkout. The best part is that they have a money back guarantee. And if you get a subscription, I have a 40% off for you. So that 40% off code only lasts 10 days. So hurry up, check out Magic Mind and let me know what you think. Thanks, Magic Mind. Oh my God, you guys, I love talking to today's guest, Priscilla. She is so interesting and funny to talk to and transparent about her entire infertility journey. She is today the mom of four. Liam, Bear, Ziggy, and Olive are those not the best names for kids, but it took her a very long time to get there with some twists and turns and surprises and many, many things in between. So I don't want to give too much away. I will let her tell you guys without further ado, this is Priscilla's infertility story. Priscilla, thank you so much for taking the time today. You are locked in a bedroom with your kids on the other side of the house to do this chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So I just want to start with how I heard about you and found your Instagram. I think it was just in the infertility community, but you have a beautiful Instagram and you, you know, talk about infertility and what you went through to build your family you also have a really beautiful collection of poems a book called waiting on the universe so i want to talk about that as well but let's start with the beginning did you always want to have kids
2: yes i definitely did in fact i kind of was always the kid who wanted to be around babies like i would i would purposely try to leave church to go work in the nursery and hold the babies i would try to get out of summer camp to go work as a counselor in the toddler room. Like I just, all my whole childhood was around babies and I came from a big family. So I, I was one of four. So I was kind of always mothering the younger two myself. And so, yeah, having babies was always always what I wanted. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking with a friend of mine because they asked my son in first grade this year what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, a paleontologist. And I was like, wow, that's a very specific occupation. Because when I was a little girl and they asked me what I wanted to be, I always just said I wanted to be a mom. And they were like, what what job do you want to have? And I was like, "Ah, I just kind of want to be a mom. Like I never really had any like... Career ambitions until I was like much later in college. Then I figured out, okay, maybe I should do something. Right. right. But mom is one of the hardest jobs in the world. Mom, so. Yeah. I think I finally settled on, well, I'll be a fly girl on in living color, which How is amazing. Totally aging me. If you, <laughs> you know. You and JLo. No, I know. Yeah. Exactly that's what, what you're JLo got her start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was like, all right, I'll either be a mom or I'll be a fly girl on in living color. Those are or my both. Ideas. Or both. Okay. So you are a fly girl. Let's just get that out of the way. Right. You. Okay.
0: (laughs) So fast forwarding a whole bunch, what happened when you presumably got married, started to try all that. Did you ever have any issues with like your periods or fertility or anything like that growing up?
2: Yeah, no, growing up, I got I got my first period. I think I was 13. Everything was normal. Um, I have two sisters. They had normal periods. Um, there was never any family history of infertility. Mm-hmm. Uh, my period was very regular. I never had like difficulty with cramping or anything. And so when I met my husband and we got married and we got married, we got engaged really quick. We got married really quick. We kind of, it was one of those things we just kind of knew it was meant to be. I knew he was the one I was older. I was, I mean, not older, but I was 30 and I had dated a lot and, Mm -hmm. um, he had dated a little bit. And so we kind of just knew like, let's get married and let's start a family. Like, this is what we want. And I honestly thought that was going to be it. We'd probably get pregnant on my honeymoon. I really thought coming back from my honeymoon that, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to be pregnant now. Next, we're going to start planning the baby shower and right it it did not go that way at all but yes. um, yeah and did was... you
0: think that because your sex education was always kind of like if you want to try to have a baby it's pretty easy and you oh, know all yeah. you need to do is yeah. not use protection and have sex and there you go because that's what i learned
2: yeah exactly i i went on birth control when i was 18 and that was kind of just the thing like oh i'm on this pill so i will never get pregnant and then as soon as i get off the pill and in fact when we were engaged i got off birth control pills because we knew as soon as we get married, we want to start trying for kids. And I thought it was going to be that simple as you just get off birth control. And that's how people have babies. And nobody ever, yeah, nobody ever educated me or told me otherwise. And like I said, there was no family history. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I just, I didn't
0: know. I totally agree with you. And I had the same basic education and we've been talking about that a lot, you know, trying to improve it for the people coming behind us and the future generations, just to know more about their body and to feel empowered and be able to make better decisions.
2: Yeah. So tell me about, okay, so you got back from your honeymoon. And you're like, okay, we're going to have a baby now. What happened? Yeah, we're going to have a baby. And then that month went by. I wasn't pregnant. Time went by and we were were trying, but we weren't making a big fuss about it. And then it was a year of trying and nothing had happened. And so my OB said, I'll do some preliminary, preliminary testing. So she did some testing and everything came back normal on her end. And she said... I think at this point I was 31. She said, you know, you're young by fertility standards, but you're, um, it's been a year. Why don't I refer you to an RE? So I found one in town. We went to her. She did so much, all the testing, like the whole gamut of everything. I remember even getting like an STD test and all these things that I, in the time thought were so unnecessary Mm -hmm. and everything just kept coming back normal, normal, normal. And so, like I said, we were, we wanted a family and I wanted a big family. He wanted a big family. And so we were like, let's, let's do whatever we need to do. And so her recommendation was to jump into IUI. So we did five IUIs. Okay. Did you know anything about IUI before you did it? My older sister had actually had one IUI. Turns out they had trouble getting pregnant, but it was, um, they knew why my, her husband had sperm mobility and things like that. So they did an IUI, he got, pre- or they got pregnant and they were able to kind of quickly solve that issue. And they've mm-hmm. gone on to have many more children. So I gotcha. knew an IUI was just because my sister had had one, but other than my sister, I didn't know anyone who had had an IUI. And I just remember it was being, they were calling it the turkey baster. And I yeah. was like, oh, this will be fun. You know, sounds simple enough. Right. But, but, you know, worked for my sister on the first time. And it worked well for her because she, they knew specifically what was going on. So I guess they were able to find good sperm and get it going for her. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was always unexplained infertility. That was always my diagnosis, unexplained infertility. And um, so we did five IUIs. Mm -hmm. Was it kind of back to back to back to, so that's like five
0: months or longer, presumably, right? That's Um, a long time. Yeah,
2: there might have been a month or two in between, depending on like when my cycle was. But it was pretty much back to back to back. I I want to say it was like a whole. It felt like an entire year of IUIs. Totally, I remember there were certain like events and things that we had to miss because no, I'm scheduled to go go get pregnant this this week. You know, totally. I can't go to this party because it's out of town and I have to be in town for this. And so exactly. And there's remember, so many
0: people listening can relate to stuff yeah, like that.
2: It can, I mean, all of it, all through the, we'll get into the IVF, but mm-hmm. it consumes not just financially, emotionally, but time so much of your time. And mm-hmm. I, I, I remember I had to miss one of my best friend's bachelorette parties because they called and said, all right, you're getting your trigger shot. You're coming. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't come. This was later on for an IVF. I was like, I can't come. I have a bachelorette party. And they're like, sorry, do you want to cancel the whole thing? Throw away thousands of dollars. I was like, no, I guess I'll just miss the party. So yeah, it consumed a lot of my time as well. And then
0: adding insult to injury, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, is when you do give up big, important life events like that, your best friend's bachelorette or a wedding or something, and then you don't get the results that you want. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating and, and maddening.
2: So frustrating.
0: So how were um, you feeling like mentally and how are you doing with your husband, like going through these IUIs and, um, you know, it's not working month after month.
2: During the IUIs, we were still very hopeful. And I didn't know at this point that there was a kind of a cutoff. How many IU, I just assumed we'd do as many IUIs until I had a baby and the IUIs weren't painful. They weren't, uh, you know, they weren't that expensive. And I say that compared to IVF. So in the moment we were still very optimistic. I was uh, you know thinking we're going to get pregnant on one of these IUI's. So everything was emotionally I was doing well throughout the IUIs. The IVF's it got it got a little harder for all Okay. Of so um, when did you guys switch
0: from IUI to IVF?
2: Well, I got pregnant on the fourth IUI that we okay. did and then I had a miscarriage at 11 weeks. Mm, so no, sorry. No, no, no. Oh, th- that's a, thank you. Uh, actually, it was 10 weeks, 10 weeks. Yeah, I was about 10 weeks along. We had just had that second ultrasound mm. and um, that was really tough having the miscarriage. We, I remember we, I woke up and I was bleeding and I called the fertility doctor and they were like, you're probably okay. It could just be spotting. And I knew, I knew it. It was a lot of bleeding. I was out was. Actually, you know what? Now I'm thinking back. I didn't wake up bleeding. I had gone to the water park that day with mm-hmm. my sister and her children. And now, because every time I drive past this water park, I think about this day. And oh, I, okay. It's just uh, like I had a miscarriage too when we were at sesame place. Yeah. Is, so, you,
0: <laughs> so every time I think about Sesame Place, yes. I'm like, that's what pops in my head. Yeah. And I just remember being
2: like, I'm just gonna sit here wrapped in this towel because either mm-hmm. this is a weird part of pregnancy or I'm miscarrying. And I knew I was miscarrying. And um my doctor was like, Well, we'll see you like on Monday. And I was like, No, that's not good enough for me. So I called the OB who I hadn't even seen yet because I hadn't graduated to the point of going to the OB yet. And I called their office and they said they'd see me that day. And I remember I came in and they put on the ultrasound and they were like, we don't see a pregnancy. And I was like, I'm not lying to you. I was pregnant. I pulled out of my wallet, my little like picture from the ultrasound that I had, the fertility clinic. And I was like, see, see, I'm I'm pregnant. And they were like, well, you." you were, but you're not pregnant anymore. And I just remember being like, well, where did the baby go? Like, yeah. Where Where is he? And they were like, well, you know, you had a lot of bleeding. And I was like, so, but where, where is the baby? And, you know, they just explained that the pregnant, I didn't have to have a DNC, the, the pregnancy or the miscarriage just completed itself, what they call a completed miscarriage. And that was very emotionally, that was really tough. And I know, You know, when you think about like what one in four women have a miscarriage. And I remember that point in my life, how distraught I was. And now looking back, thinking how people go through this all the time. And like, we just, you just see people at work smiling and you might have no idea because the same thing, no one at work knew that I was pregnant. Right. I remember going to work and um, just being so depressed and so Mm -hmm. upset and Mm -hmm. not really talking to anybody about it because I didn't even tell anybody that I was pregnant. So, yeah. That was hard on me, hard for my husband, but we we were like, you know what? Let's let's keep moving forward. They did one more IUI after that, which didn't result in anything. Okay. And she was like, "Now it's time to move to IVF." And I was like, "Well, why are we just not doing more IUIs? Like I I got pregnant on an IUI." She was like, "You got pregnant, but you don't have a baby, so that doesn't really count. Like you'd their kind of rule at this practice was five IUIs, no baby, you move on to IVF. That Mm -hmm. was kind of their practice. And I remember the time being like, no, let's do five more IUIs. Surely I'll get a baby out of it. Were you hesitant about doing IVF with all the meds and the protocol and all that stuff? You know, honestly, no, I'm not scared of needles. I'm not scared of medical stuff. It it was the money to me. Like I remember looking at the price tag of an IVF being like, what what are we going to do about this? You know, in the end, we ended up refinancing the house. That's what we did. And so we, we, we joked that like Liam, we refinanced the house bear. We took out a no interest credit card that I think we like just paid off. Mm -hmm. Um, So like we did whatever we had to do, but absolutely. um, Yeah. So we moved on to IVF they were optimistic going, you know, I had a bunch of testing done for that too. And they were very optimistic there at this time, I guess I was maybe 33, maybe going into thir- age 34. So they were like, you know, everything should go well. All your labs look great. The only tiny lab they found was my thyroid was a little bit off. So they put okay. me on Synthroid Kind of just in case. Okay. Um, Which ironically, still to this day, I take Synthroid. And every time I ask a doctor about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're alive for now. Like, once you start Synthroid and it regulates your thyroid, you just kind of have to take it forever. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Do you have any side effects from it, from taking it or anything? No, no. I've gone a few days without taking it. And the pharmacist was like, oh, you must feel so much fatigue. And I'm like, I mean, I do feel fatigue, but who doesn't feel fatigue? I mean, I'm always tired. So I don't don't necessarily know that I have a thyroid disorder per se. Right. But that was the one little tweak they made. They put me on synthroid to make sure my thyroid levels were normal. But everything else, my prolactin, my FSH, my you know, blah, 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 all the things, everything Uh was normal. So they were very optimistic. I was very optimistic. So we did the retrieval at this point. Um, I did Gonal F. They had me on, I'm trying, I wrote this down because there's so many numbers to remember. They had me on the dosage of 300. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that means anything to you, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't the highest dose that they could put someone on. So they did the retrieval Mm -hmm. and they, we had eight eggs retrieved, five that were viable, four that fertilized, and then two that made it to day five embryos. And so I was like, that's great. We've got two embryos. That means I'm going to have two kids. Mm -hmm. And she was like very concerned that they only found eight. She was like, you know, at your age, your health level, the amount of gonel F that we gave you, I should have gone up there and seen at least 30 or 40 eggs in your follicles. She was like, I spent a lot of time up there and I only grabbed eight eggs. There was eight eggs. And I Mm -hmm. was like, Okay, so that's not normal, and so that's at that point they diagnosed me with diminished ovarian, ovarian reserve. Yeah, yeah. Um, D O R. Yeah, yeah. And so one of those
0: acronyms that I was like, "What? Dead on arrival." Like, like, what, what is it?
2: And yeah, and when you look it <laughs> no up, way. they say like, this is normal for older women, and I'm like, "But I'm not." At that point, I'm not older, mm-hmm. so why do I have this? And I did have one um, embryologist talk to me once. And I love the embryologist, in fact, at my first fertility clinic that I worked with the i wasn 't so crazy about my uh, actual doctor, but my the embryologist was so great about explaining things in a way that really made sense to me, and I was like, "Can we, can we bring him back in the room? I want to talk with him." Um, but he said to me, he was like, you know, some people are just born with only nine toes or they're born with a, th- a third nipple. You were just born with not a lot of eggs and, gotcha. so, you know,
0: yeah. And as everybody knows, or maybe not, cause I didn't know this, but you know, yeah. you're born with the amount of eggs yeah. you will have for your lifetime. It's not like sperm that is regenerated, you exactly. know, every three months or something like that. So, um, yeah. interesting. Okay. So
2: what did you think when you heard that diagnosis? I still didn't really care per se, because I was so focused on those two embryos. And so I was like, I don't, I don't even care. I'm just so happy that we got to this point. So I was still feeling real optimistic. My husband was feeling really optimistic. We got very lucky the day of the transfer. Everything went smooth. I, they, I remember specifically, they showed me a picture of both embryos. I, at this point, so the year was 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it wasn't done as much then as it was now, but they gave us the option to genetically test the embryos. What is that called? The genetic? It's called pre-implantation genetic testing. So PGT. PGT. Yes. I knew there was an acronym. Um, yep. And we actually opted not to do that. I don't know. Was that a financial decision? Mm -hmm. Um, It might have been, you know, it's so funny,
0: Priscilla. I was going through this at the exact same time as you. I wish I would have known you. Oh my God. I I mean, literally 2015, you know, I did my first transfer in April on April 1st and PGT testing for us. It was a financial decision. It was an additional $5,000. Yes. But I remember thinking we're only doing this once. And so we did do the testing. Cause it was like, I want to, you know, throw everything at the, you know, kitchen sink or that's not the yeah. expression, but you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. <laughs> throw I think, everything at the sink. No, you know what I mean? I think my husband was very, was a little bit more like, well, if the, if the embryo comes back as not perfect, they're just going to throw it away. He was like, I don't want them to throw it mm. away. And I was like, well, then let's just not get them tested. I think mm. that played a little role in it too, but I think for me, it always comes down to, Oh, how can we save a penny here or there? How totally. $5,000. So I was like, I mean, I that's want- not, that's not a penny. That's $5,000. Right. You know? and I was it's like, different. I want these embryos. So they were graded. They graded them. They yep. were like six, one was a six AA, one was a six AB. So they were graded really highly. So, um, I remember the embryologist sitting there and he had a picture of both of them, And he was like, do you want us to put both in or do you want us to put one in? And I was like, oh, only one. I do not want twins. Twins sounds horrible. We'll get to that later. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I only want you to put one in. And so then there was this long pause and nobody said anything. And I said, am I supposed to pick which one based off of these pictures? And everyone laughed. And he was like, no, no, we'll pick the one. We just wanted to know one or two. And Mm -hmm. so. They picked the one that I guess looked better. It um, was a more perfect circle and transferred and it became our baby boy who is six and a half years old now named Liam. Yes. And Liam and Sunny, my six and a half year old. So when was, when was Liam born? He was born Valentine's day, uh, okay. Feb, which is a funny story. He was actually, he came of so 2016 of 2016. Okay. got So sunny was December, 2015. So literally we were going through this at the exact same time. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Liam was actually born three weeks early. He was supposed that year that he was born 2016 was a leap year. He was actually supposed to be born on leap day. And I remember thinking that's a horrible, horrible birthday. I don't want him born then, but then he ended up coming three weeks early and was born on Valentine's day. So we got a holiday Anyways, and I'll get to the Valentine's Day in a minute. That's a whole nother story that I'll I'll that's a fun story, but I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So yeah, so Liam was born Valentine's Day 2016. We were like, this is great. It only took one try. We got our baby boy. Right. So Um, did you think, okay,
0: IVF, it's kind of a sure thing, you know, you do it, you do the one transfer. That's what I thought too.
2: Yeah. And we got we both got really, really lucky with that one, right? Very lucky because so many of my friends Or people that I've met in the fertility community, that does not happen that way for them. And so I felt very lucky. And then they were going to freeze that second embryo. And I said, perfect. We'll see you in a couple years for baby number two. And it did not happen that way. So moving on to that, it was uh Liam was about two years old. We like I said, we always wanted a big family. So we knew we wanted one uh more kids. So we Liam was about two and we decided to go back to do the second embryo transfer. And there were some red flags with this one along the way that looking back, I didn't, in the moment I didn't notice it, but then looking back, I noticed it. Um, The first thing was they kind of changed the entire protocol. So two years had gone by my fertility clinic changed the protocol. And it was small things like instead of estrogen patches. I had to take an estrogen pill instead of progesterone suppositories. I was now doing injections every day. And it was really hard for some reason, the injections, it was just no, I, we could never get the needle. It was a, it was a whole mess. My, I remember my husband and I fighting over this stupid injection And he was like, Mm -hmm. you need to be doing the same thing you did with Liam. And I went to my doctor and I was like, why am I not on the same exact protocol that I was on for Liam? Because it worked. You gave me a protocol. She was like, well, science research shows that more women are successful when we do this, this, and this. And I was like, I get that. And I'm a huge fan of (laughs) evidence-based practice, but I did better on this. I had a baby from this protocol can we please do this exact process? It's like if it ain't broke, right? Like right, if it ain't I, broke, why are we fixing it? But right. she, she was like, uh, I felt like this practice. Everyone was, everyone had to fit the mold that they wanted to do. And mm. whenever I would be like, "Well, I want to do it this way," well, no, we're going to do it this way. So a lot of things like that along the way. I did not get acupuncture for this transfer, whereas I had for Liam. I think I was just okay. kind of like yeah, I don't even know if I believe in the acupuncture. I don't know if I need it. Um, even though I was very religious about it with, with, with the first IVF, I didn't get it for this one. Uh, the other thing was, oh, and this was a big thing. Okay. So we go in for the frozen embryo transfer and they make you go in with a full bladder and we go in with a full bladder and they they do the transfer. And then when they're done, they're like, all right, if you need to go to the bathroom, hop up, you can go to the bathroom. You're all done. And I was like, oh, I don't need to stay here for a little bit. And they're like, no, no. I mean, most women have to go to the bathroom. So if you need to get up and go pee, go pee. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know any better. And I did have to pee because I had a full bladder. So I went up, got up, went to the bathroom. We went home and I went for the follow-up in a couple of weeks for the blood work. And my blood work was a 12. Mm-hmm. they were like technically anything. I think it's above like a, a six and eight. I think it depends on the lab or you know. Maybe. But I, I've heard like a five. Even it could be. Yeah. But yes, yeah,
0: so technically you're pregnant. They're like technically you're
2: pregnant, but it's not looking good. And mm-hmm. I I didn't have a period yet, and so we went back for a blood work a few days later. Still didn't have a period, and they were like. Okay, your number is a fourteen, and I was like, "Good, it went up." And they were like, "No, um, you know, the number should have been what at that point, like three thousand or something. Yeah, you know, it should w- double, and double, double and double and, and double and double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, and it, the number wasn't going up. That was what the H uh, HSG is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course, I I peed on a stick at home, and it said negative. And then, sure enough, a few days later, I got my period, and so that was. That was really tough with us too because after that we had nothing like we didn't have any more right. embryos and so if we wanted to do if we still wanted another baby we were going to have to keep trying on our own which I guess I didn't mention that part we were also trying on our own in mm-hmm. between and of course nothing happened So we knew we were going to have to kind of start from scratch all over again, right?
0: Do another retrieval and all that. So let me ask you this. You'd mentioned like, you, you know, you didn't do the acupuncture. You went to the bathroom. Did you think in
2: retrospect that those things had something to do with the fact that it didn't work? I do now, because let me tell you for the next IVF, boy, did I do acupuncture like Mm. twice a week. And for the next IVF, when they said you can get up off this chair after the transfer, I said no, ma'am, I will be staying in this chair for half an hour. When's the next time you need this room? And she was like, we don't need this room till one o'clock. And I was like, well, then I will sit here for half an hour. I sat in the chair for half an hour and Will on his phone pulled up a YouTube video. I wrote down the name. I'm going to have to tell you this woman's name. It's um, Jackie Brown. She okay. has YouTube videos that are um meditation for post embryo transfer. Cool. Yeah. So I love I it laid in the chair with my legs up and will had the video playing for 30 minutes. And she was like, she's Australian. And so she was like, your uterus is, is warm and happy. You are accepting this embryo. She, she was just, I love it. You are meant to be a mother. And I was just like chanting back at her and, you know, did, is that the reason why I got pregnant? Maybe not, but did, do I feel like it helped? Maybe. I don't know. Did it hurt? No, that's the thing with all this, right? It's such a not exact science
0: that it's like, it's almost sometimes it's like, whatever makes you feel better. Sometimes emotionally
2: is the way to go. Exactly. A friend of mine talk and I talk about the fertility smoothies that we drank all the time. And, um, they, they were, we drank these every day. She and I were going through IV. I was going through IVF and she was doing IUI the second time around. And we laugh about it now. we were like, D- did that, the smoothies do anything to help? No. But you know, it didn't hurt to drink them every day. Totally. So oh yeah. I had the all the, the yeah. powders and potions and bee pollen and oh, Chinese yeah.
0: herbs and bee all this pollen, stuff. The yeah,
2: raspberry, yeah. Wasn't there, I think raspberry was involved and uh, yep. maca. There was a lot of maca. Yeah, you can look this all up, but there's so much, you know, other stuff. But um yeah, so I I do tell people about the when they tell you it's time to get up off that chair, stay in that chair for half an hour, mm-hmm. do some meditation, mm-hmm. put on the the chanting, tell you know, even even if that has nothing to do with it from a scientist scientific standpoint. I did it for this for the I guess it was my third. Transfer and Mm -hmm. um, sure enough, we got pregnant. So, yeah, you had done another retrieval cycle. Oh, so yeah, so in between, yeah, sorry, we're kind of no, that's uh, okay. Hopscotching around, jump around Um, a little. We did another retrieval, and this time she was like, based off the fact that we only got eight eggs out of you, I'm gonna bump you up to the highest amount of the gonal F possible. Um, so I was on the highest amount. And again, now at this point, it had been, it's three years later. So I guess I'm like 36, maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, we got the same exact results, eight eggs, five of them were viable, uh, four of them fertilized, and then two of them became day five embryos. Same thing. They asked, do you want us to put one in or do you want us to put two in? I said, oh, please just put one in. I do not want twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept saying like, what, why do you keep offering two? like, what is the, what is the point of putting in two embryos instead of one? And they were like, it just kind of increases your chances of getting pregnant. And I was like, but does that make the embryos more likely to become babies? And I was like, and they kept saying, no, it's just, it was almost like they just wanted to check off that like, yeah, she got pregnant. Yeah. But it did it wouldn't necessarily mean that that embryo is going to become a baby if you put both of them in. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: I was like, no, please just put in one. I don't want twins. So they transferred same thing. We did not get these genetically tested, mm-hmm. but they were both graded exactly the same. They were both six ABs. And so they picked one, they put him in. I remember uh, this protocol was a little different. They no longer did fresh transfers. And so with Liam, it was a fresh transfer. So, you know, they we did the retrieval, we got the embryo. I came back, you know, a couple of days. I guess it's like a week later, and had the one transferred. For this one, they froze them in between. So I had to wait a whole nother cycle, get started back on the medication. And So, I remember being like, oh, you're just pushing the date further and further back. And then when I looked at the date of the transfer, I was like, huh, this date is kind of similar to the date that we transferred Liam. What a Mm -hmm. coincidence. Mm -hmm. You know, not thinking anything about it. Well, the transfer was successful. I was pregnant, and the due date was February 22nd, which is President's Day. And I said, oh, this is crazy. I'm going to have a baby on. Valentine's day. And then this baby will be born on president's day. Well, sure enough, bear was born on Valentine's day. So now we have two boys who have the same birthday. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Three years apart. That is so uh, wild. Yeah. And to kind of, uh, rewind a little bit with their pregnancies. I don't really have any stories to tell from the pregnancies because I was very lucky in that. I joke around all the time with my friends is that I have a really hard time getting pregnant, but once I get pregnant, I actually do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I get, you know, once I am definitely definitely pregnant because they both had very uneventful pregnancies. Yeah. Fair was um, breached. I had to have a C-section with him. Same with uh, my kid, both of my kids actually both were breached and C-section. Did you do the uh, external version procedure?
0: Nope. We didn't oh, try to change it or anything at all.
2: It's for the best. Cause let me tell you, I did that with bear, the manual version where they basically tried to manually flip oh, him. Yeah. And that sounds that, so uncomfortable. It was the mo- worst pain I've ever been in. And oh, this, like, someone, I didn't even get an epidural with Liam. I had a natural childbirth with Liam. Yeah. This was more painful than that. I mean, oh, it my really God. feels like you're getting punched in a back alley, getting like mugged. As <laughs> right. Well. You're Imagine. like, just take my wallet, take it off. Yeah. And they kept saying, oh, we got him. We got him. He's he's head down. And then when they would move their hands off yeah. of me, he would flip. They're over. like, oh, flip yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. We found out after the fact that he had a a knot in his umbilical cord. So I always wonder if it was like the umbilical cords way of saying, can't go. There's not enough, you know, I'm not long enough. I
0: wow. Interesting. The body yeah. is so cool and interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you have, oh, so you have Liam and
2: Bear. I love those names. <laughs> yeah. So Liam and Bear. And then we had the one final frozen embryo. Mm-hmm. And so it was the start of 2020. And we, and my husband, I said, we, you know, we're, you know, here we are just being, you know, you know, we could just never get enough. So we're like, we want more babies, more babies. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we really didn't even kind of try on our own. We were like, you know what? We have that frozen embryo that we're having to pay storage on. Like, you know, what is it? $800 a year. I think we pay. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's $500 every six months. So yeah, we pay a thousand dollars a year to store this embryo. So we said, it's 2020, let's just go ahead and get that embryo transferred in the spring of 2020. That'll be what we do. So we, at this point, our fertility clinic actually shut down. And uh-huh. so they had that frozen embryo transferred to another clinic in town. Okay. Are you in Charleston? Yes, I'm in okay. Charleston, South Carolina. Um, gotcha. We had it transferred to Coastal Fertility, who I who I absolutely adore. They were great. And I was so worried about like the transfer process, but luckily it was just going like two minutes down the road. Okay. The, the, you know, the frozen embryo. So we met with them at Coastal and they said, um, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. We can schedule you for something this, this spring. And they said, let's do some other preliminary like testing while you're here. And they did some testing. And this time around, my FSH levels were off. They went ahead and they did like a vaginal ultrasound to look at my follicles, and I didn't really have a lot of follicles. And so she sat down with me and she was like, Listen, you have one embryo. So if this embryo doesn't become a baby, you're going to have to start all the way back over. And now you're so much older. So I think at this point now, I'm 2020, 20, I'm 38. She was like, and your lab work is kind of showing your age, and we already know you don't have a lot of eggs. Do you probably have even less eggs now? Her recommendation was I start trying to bank some embryos. Mm. So she wanted me to start all over from scratch. Okay. Here was Mm -hmm. the caveat, though my insurance company has a um, hold on. I wrote this down. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina's policy is a lifetime max of $15,000 or three transfer cycles. I had already done three transfer cycles. So okay. I called the insurance company and sure enough, they were like, oh yeah, you're cut off. And I remember I got so irate on the phone. So I was was like, so what you're telling me is a man in a suit in Columbia, South Carolina gets to decide how many children I have. I love it. (laughs) They were like, yeah, basically, you know, we paid 70% of their thing was they paid 70% of just the services. I had always paid for all the medications on my own because I knew I had that $15,000 max. Mm-hmm. And you, could, you can wipe that all out just on medications. Totally. So, but, yeah. So I had a really great financial person tell me at the start of all of this, you do not let your insurance company pay for the expensive medications because then that's going to eat into your $15,000 cap. And then you're not going to have anything to spend on the, they're, they're not going to spend any on the actual procedure. So mm-hmm. interesting. Good pro tip too. Pro tip. Oh, another pro tip when it comes to that is to shop around the pharmacies. I remember, okay, I'm going to pay for yep. this out of hand. And they were like, yes, here's the pharmacist, pharmacy that you call to order your medications. Totally. I called like six mm-hmm. or seven and the price difference was astonishing. Like, completely yeah, this one's $20. And the other one, other pharmacist is like, yeah, this one's 500. And I'm like- Such okay. a racket. And it's such a good tip because I didn't know that either. I thought it was like, you just go
0: where they tell you to go, but you we just you go. do and have you, a choice as a patient. And it's yeah, good you to have do your- choice. It sucks that you have to do the legwork, but it really can pay off in the end.
2: Yes. I have another good friend who's going through it right now. And she was like, this is the most stressful part. And I was like, absolutely. The financial part is 100% the most stressful part. And the calling around- But I was like, in the end, do call around and don't just go with whatever pharmacy takes your insurance because, um, it's not as simple as that. You know, you're going to have to pay out of pocket for them because you have to use your insurance to pay for everything else. So you got to call around. So
0: exactly.
2: Yeah. So, um, okay. So it's 2020 and she's wanting me to bank embryos. We're already knowing that we're going to have to pay for so much of this out of pocket and. Then the pandemic happens. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, well, they're not letting us do anything right now anyways. So what are we going to do? So the pandemic happened. My husband's working from home now. I'm just at home with the two boys. And I honestly hate telling this part of the story because this is, this is like a, not that I hate telling this part of the story, but, um. This part of the story is something that I always hoped would happen. Yeah. All those years, like in between Liam and Bear, where we kept trying on our own and nothing would happen, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, all those years before, you know, when we were still going through IUI and we were still also trying on our own and nothing was happening, Mm -hmm. but here we are 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, you know, we've watched every single show on Netflix. There's nothing else to do, but (laughs) why not sleep with my husband? Because, you know, there's, we're not seeing our friends. We're not going anywhere. And sure enough, I find out that I am pregnant Wow! after them telling me, you pro you probably have no more eggs, you know, after that last, at that last fertility um, appointment that I'd had, they were like, you know, we're not really seeing any follicles.
0: Oh my God.
2: And so, um, I find out that I'm pregnant and what I- did you think when you got that call? I, um, well, I didn't get, what happened was I had been breastfeeding bear and I stopped breastfeeding bear in May of the pandemic, May of 2020. I stopped breastfeeding him because he was old enough. And I got my first period after I stopped breastfeeding him in June. And then in July, I was like, all right, where's my next, where's my next period. And, um, I was like, that probably happens after you get a period back after breastfeeding. It probably skips a cycle or two. Right. And then I was like, or maybe no, there's no way I'm pregnant.
0: Okay. So you took a
2: test. So I took, I took a home test and it was positive. I told my husband, he was completely just shocked, but we were, we were so excited. We were like, this is what we wanted. I didn't know who to call. So I called the fertility clinic And I was like, what do I do? And they were like, you go see an OB at around like eight weeks. And I was like, no, but like, do I need progesterone, the estrogen? Like what shots should I be giving myself? And they were like, no, you don't do, you don't do anything. I'm like, oh, so this is what other women do. You just get pregnant and you don't do anything. To <laughs> you just like, go on
0: your merry way. Yeah. You just
2: go on your merry way. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, can I come see you? And the fertility clinic was super sweet. They were like, sure. Even though we did nothing, we're happy to see you just to confirm the pregnancy. Yeah. So I went in, which would have been probably around six weeks or seven weeks. And the doctor who I remember had only met for all that testing. So she knew me, but she didn't really know me that well. I wasn't like a recurring patient of hers. So she turns on the ultrasound machine and she gets really quiet. Mm-hmm. And I'm immediately like, I start feeling the, feeling the tears building. Yes. Up my cheeks. And I was like, yes, I'm you not, think it's going to be no heartbeat or bad news. I'm or like, right? I'm not pregnant. This was such a waste of time. I'm not really right, pregnant. Right. She turns to me and she goes, what did we give you for this cycle? Did we give you Clomid? And I was like, no, no, you didn't give me anything. I'm just here to confirm the pregnancy. She was like, oh, so we didn't give you anything. And I was like, no, why? She was like, because you have two baby. You have two, they're two oh babies. There. I just got the chills. And, I, and my husband just didn't, I don't think he spoke for like three days. He just, <laughs> he didn't speak. and I of course was like, what do you mean? How do I have twins? You told me to have any eggs. How can I have two babies? What's going on? What I, of course, have all the questions. And yes. blah, blah. and she was like, you know, this happens. She was like, You're kind of at the end of your reproductive road, your end of your reproductive journey, and your body knows it. And it's very typical to hyperovulate when you're she was like, There's three factors that make women hyperovulate. You're older you've had subsequent pregnancies and you have a history of diminished egg, egg count. And I had all three. And so she was like, your body knows it. So it'll purposely drop two eggs each cycle, you know, as a way to help populate the planet, I guess your body is trying to help you help you in any way. Amazing. And I'm like my body that has been failing me for years. You're telling me now dropped two eggs. And so I had yeah. So there were two, two heartbeats. Oh and, God. and so at this point, you know, all those years of me saying, I do not want twins. Do not put two right. embryos. Do not transfer two embryos. I only, and I'm pregnant with twins. And at this point I had had one friend who was pregnant with twins, who lost one of the other twins. And when I looked at, of course I'm, I go home and I'm Googling twin pregnancy, twin, twin gestation. Sure you hear about that a lot is that you early on, you get pregnant with twins and one of them doesn't make it. Right. And so in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to deal with losing one of, one of these babies. Like that's probably what's going to happen. And I was like, I'm going to have to go through as essentially a, a miscarriage. Would it be a miscarriage? Like I was just kind of like keeping myself guarded. I was trying not to fall in love with two babies. Completely was, guarding your heart. Right? I was guarding my heart. Cause I was like, I'm probably going to lose one of these. Like women don't have healthy twin. You know, I just didn't. And I didn't know at the time, anyone that had twins fast forward to now, I know thousands of women through, through the Instagram have twins. Right. Um, but, uh, time went on and time went on and they were growing and they were thriving. Um, the, we did genetic testing at 20 weeks and the 20 week anatomy scan. And they were just, they were perfect. And I just fell in love with this idea of twins. And I was like, at this point, it went from being cautiously optimistic that I might lose one. I might keep, or not optimistic to lose one, but I was like, cautiously thinking something bad is going to happen to now being like, I want both of the, I cannot lose these, these babies. I wanted twins so badly, like something that I thought that I never wanted. I right. was, I cannot wait to have twins. Oh and my gosh. They just kept growing and thriving. And we found out one was a girl and one was a boy. And, um, that was a fun appointment when they, they did the, um, they did the ultrasound and they were like, okay, baby A is a boy. And everyone was like, clapped. And okay, good. He looks good. And then they were like, baby B is a girl. And everyone in the room it cl- jumped and was like, and I was like <laughs> you guys didn't clap for the boy. You only clapped for the they oh you're like well you already have two well, I was like no but you guys need to clap for him just as much as you clap for us so oh I
0: was like, yes. such a good mama oh, yeah <laughs>
2: was like, you're, you're like welling fit. up as you tell me the
0: story I know, it's so sweet
2: like, I am I too Boy, but um it was so yeah so we um they were they were due Easter Sunday I can't get away from holidays right um, but they um I ended up having to have a c-section with them they came full term at Thirty-eight in a couple of days. Oh eight. my gosh, incredible! Um, and they are beautiful, healthy little boy and little girl, Ziggy and Olive. Oh, the and, best names, Priscilla. Oh my gosh. Well, our last name is Brown, and when your last name is just you know Brown, we thought we needed to get a little. But more- anything cool goes with Brown, you know, Ziggy Brown. Yeah, like how badass is that name? Yeah. <laughs> everything you know? sounds good with Brown, but then when yeah. you get to like. Tom Brown, John Brown. Chris I still think Brown. that those sound cool too, though. It's they like do sound classic. cool, but they're classic. also like, everyone knows a John Brown. Right. Everyone will probably, you Google Tom Brown, you Google, you know, right. Brown, you know, Bobby Brown's out. Charlie of- Brown, right? Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted a name that was maybe a little bit more unique. So love it. So that was the four of them. And then we still have that frozen embryo that we are still paying a thousand dollars a year because. You know, that's, that's another part of the fertility story that nobody talks about is once it's, you feel like your family is complete and the irony is I, I, four children is more than enough for me and it's more than I could have ever have wanted, but I don't feel complete because I still have that embryo, you know, I feel like that's kind of our other little Little baby out there, and so we we've been talking about what to do about mm-hmm. it, yeah, so you know, throwing it away is not an option for us. Five babies seems you know ridiculous, so that's that's um that's it's a hard decision that's it's a your, hard decision. It's your and story, definitely. and it's
0: only you and your husband can make that decision, right so it's yes. it is it will be whatever you decide, and wow what a story though. Yeah. Oh my God.
2: But yeah. And it, it's funny too, because I don't know if I told this part of the story, but the, the first fertility doctor that we met with and she had did, she did the, the embryo, the egg retrieval. And that we only ended up with two embryos. I said, you know, well, what, what should we do about this and that? And if both embryos don't become babies. And at some point I will always remember this sentence. She said to me, you need to make peace with the fact that you might not ever be pregnant. And I was like, "Mm, no, no, I'm not. I'm not making peace with that. Sorry. Like I'll, I'll make peace with some other things, but no, I just remember that sentence, like make peace with the fact that you might never have a baby of, of your own. Um, And I was like, yeah, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yes. But to go from someone saying that to me to now having four children that I Gave birth to, to, um, it just, it just seems, seems wild. So
0: absolutely. um, Well, let's talk about waiting on the universe. When did this come about and how did you think about writing all these, this beautiful collection of poetry?
2: Well, I've always, I've always been a writer. In fact, that I I journal a lot. I do a lot of writing. Um, my husband is more the kind of person he, talks, he wants to talk about how he's feeling. I, you know, throughout all of it, he was talk, talk, talk. What, what, what do, I don't feel good about this. I'm more of, I sit there quietly and then I go hide in the corner and I write, write, write. So I was always writing and throughout the trying to conceive. So from the year 2012, basically until Liam was born, I was writing but instead of journaling to like dear diary, I was writing to Liam. So I was writing letters and and poems and things to him about how I feel about the fact that he's not here yet or that a baby's not here yet. Some of them were very angry. Some of them were very much like you know one day when we're here, one day when you're finally here, we'll walk across the ocean. This I'll sing you this song and some of them were very hopeful some of them were very negative and so i just had a notebook and notebook after of all these words that i had written and in the pandemic it started 2020 i decided you know what i think i'm going to turn these into a book so i worked with a an editor and she thought it was a great idea i I'd never i had never seen another book like this there's a lot of how to books like how to get pregnant what foods you should be eating what things mm-hmm. you should be doing but not as many books about the emotions behind it. Um, It's basically like cursing at the universe. Like, Mm -hmm. why is he not here? You know, what am I? I feel a certain way. And so I wanted this book Mm -hmm. to not only be a clean, condensed version of all the notebooks that I had, but I wanted uh, it to be a book that somebody could give to their sister or give to their cousin to be like, I don't know what you're going through, but here's a girl who does, and um, this might help you. And that has been the best part about this book is having people who reach out to me or email me and say, I read your book and I was bawling because I felt the exact same way. And I didn't know that there was someone else out there that felt this way. You know, there's a lot of guilt when people, we, especially we live in South Carolina, we're in the Bible belt And I had a lot of people say to me things like, um, why don't you just adopt? Like, what do you, what, you know, there's, there's, you're trying to play God and there's other babies out there that need, need. And I felt guilty for wanting my own child. You know, it wasn't just a matter of like, I want a baby. I wanted to feel a baby inside of me kicking. I wanted to go through labor and delivery. I wanted to breastfeed. I wanted to get to experience all the things that, you get to experience and nobody told you not to do it so it was more than just wanting a baby i wanted all this all of it and that's and, okay to want that right yes. it's okay and i okay to wanted want that. Yeah. and i wanted to not feel bad for wanting it and yep. so so i wrote the book waiting on the universe i published it on amazon as an independent publisher and it's great like i said the best part is having people reach out to me and say i'm thinking about buying this book for my friend. And so I said, yeah, I think it'd be great. You know, put it, put it in a care package with some candles and tea and some lotion and then add the book on the bottom. And then they'll write back to me a few months later and they'll say, oh, thank you so much. She loves the book. She's recommending the book to her friends. And so it's um, so wonderful just to share, like you said, share the emotions of it.
0: And the whole bottom line of your book, I would presume, and this podcast too, is like, You're not alone, you know, it's sharing these stories and these feelings to help people who are going through this, realize that they don't have to do this alone and that there's support out there and there's resources and there's beautiful poems like waiting on the universe. So everybody check that out.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, and you know, this in 2015, there wasn't, um, infertility rally, there wasn't, uh, Instagram wasn't really even that big. And so unless you knew somebody like, who do you talk to about this? And, you know, we were going through it at a time where all of our friends were having children. And so they were very weird. Like I remember not getting invited to a baby shower, not getting invited to a first birthday party. So, yeah. So just now I feel like there is a lot more places where you can turn to someone to talk to, but this, that having the writing and having an, a, a, a way to get my emotions out on paper was kind of how I dealt with it in the early, the early years.
0: everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And Priscilla, I really enjoyed talking to you. I hope we can grab that coffee or drink down in Charleston sometime soon. I would love that. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Guys, definitely check out a fertility rally live, which is coming up on October 22nd. It's a free event. You don't have to attend live. If you get a ticket, you have 30 days to watch all of our incredible talks. We have over eight hours of programming. We have tons of giveaways every ticket holder gets a virtual swag bag with discounts and offers from fertility friendly brands and wellness brands. It is the passion of Blair and I to create this event. We do it twice a year in the fall and in the spring, and it just keeps getting better and better. And everybody who contributes is so awesome. So please come check out our Instagram for a link in the bio for tickets. Also today's the last day to join Fertility Rally for the month of October. So you can also go to our website and join there and become a member of the rally where we have four support groups a week, three private Facebook groups, tons of content, badass sisterhood, and so much more. So lots going on. Thanks again to Priscilla and thank you guys for listening.